Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me for today's Dharma talk offering. Uh, and in this talk, I will be talking about and outlining practices, developing and cultivating compassion for others. So if you've been with me throughout this series, you know, we started with compassion for ourselves. And then we took a detour. We went into techniques on cultivating forgiveness for ourselves and for others, because oftentimes uh, when we hold resentment or grudges towards ourselves and others, uh, compassion is quite difficult. So offered a couple of days of forgiveness practice, and now we're moving back into the offerings on compassion. Now, all of this is leading up to an online uh, retreat that I'm offering. So I'll just uh, move into the announcements here. So this retreat launches in, I think it's just 10 days from now, the launch starts on March 21st, Sunday. Uh, this is in uh, the Americas. Uh, so that would be March 22nd in Asia and Australia, New Zealand. Uh, so uh, just uh, discussing US times now, uh, March 22nd to May 13th, uh, so we're meeting Sundays and Thursday evenings at 9 p.m., uh, which is actually 8 a.m. here in Thailand. Uh, now, this, these meetings are for anywhere from 90 minutes to two hours. There will be a break, of course, in the middle there on, mon on Sundays and Thursdays. Um, and uh, we take a very, very deep dive into the topics and practices that I'm really in this Facebook Live offerings, I'm really just grazing the surface of what I'll be offering on the retreat. So if you're finding these talks, these practices uh, helpful, uh, do sign up for the online retreat. I really welcome you to do that. It's, um, it's really a beautiful experience, <laughs> if I do say so. It's, um, it, it's a great, uh, these are great practices. For me, the reason why I teach them, the reason why I offer them, is because I found uh, the practices of loving kindness, compassion, equanimity, and joy uh, to be life-changing. Uh, and so uh, I really uh, hope that others will find the same benefit that I did. So again, starting in just, I think, 10 days from now, it is filling up. Uh, and actually, if you're finding the times prohibitive, uh, the sessions will be recorded, so you might not be able to make, say, Thursday evenings or Sundays, or you might have to miss. I have a couple of uh, people who have signed up who will miss all of the live sessions, and that's fine. Uh, you can keep up with the retreat at your own pace uh, because all of the sessions are recorded, and really they're, they're going to be made available only to the retreat participants. We do that for confidentiality reasons, you know, people particularly working with compassion. People have sometimes heart-opening experiences and they want to tell their story. Uh, so we keep, we keep the video recordings limited to people who have signed up for the retreats for that reason. Another announcement is that I am currently accepting applications for one-on-one -on -one students. So if you're interested in starting a meditation practice or you already have a practice, and you really want to take a deeper dive into your practice, it really helps to have a, a qualified, experienced teacher at your side when you're walking the path, the contemplative path. 
It's kind of like learning a language or a musical instrument. One can do it on their own by watching videos or books, but having a good teacher is really, uh, really, really um, a great idea, and it's a great asset to the practice. One of the reasons is, is because as a teacher, I get to get to know the student very well. If you were to come and see me, we get to know each other quite well. Now we get to know your practice quite well. And in, in that knowledge, I could then uh, cultivate and tailor make a meditation practice to suit your needs and your questions and your goals. And that, that is something that can't be received through videos or apps or books. Okay, I think that's all the announcements that I want to make. So, much like the other uh, sessions that I've offered uh, today, I would like to set the table by just doing a brief uh, guided meditation, and this will be a meditation on gratitude. Now, the meditation is optional, so if you wish to just uh, listen to me and you know get a drink of water or whatever you need to do and come back when the talk starts, that's fine, no worries. Uh, this meditation will be from about five to seven minutes long. So uh, we'll come into the present moment using anchors of the breath, body, and sound. And then I'll invite you to bring up an experience that you feel grateful for in your visualization, just remembering uh, an experience that you feel grateful for, and then really feeling into the experience of gratitude. And we do that with the intention of really learning what gratitude feels like in the body. Because when we learn that, we can really cultivate it. We can plant those seeds and future experiences of gratitude become much more rich and much more accessible. Okay. So I'll ring the bell and I'll guide us through this very brief meditation. And so the invitation is here to invite <clears throat> the body, mind, and heart to rest. Just coming into this present moment experience. You might notice the breath as it enters and leaves the nose. Noticing any sensations around the nostrils or inside the nose, perhaps a cool or a dry sensation there. Or you might notice the breath as it touches the back of the throat. Perhaps simply noticing the temperature changing from cooler to warmer on the inhalation to exhalation at the nose and the back of the throat. Perhaps noticing how the ribcage expands and contracts with each breath. Noticing the rising and falling of the abdomen as you inhale and exhale. While your attention is in the abdomen, you can invite the muscles in the abdomen to grow soft, 
rest, we often hold a lot of tension or stress in our abdomen. So the invitation is just to relax that. You might notice the back moving out as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. The shoulders rising and falling with each breath. Or perhaps noticing how the body straightens up slightly as you inhale and leans forward slightly as you exhale. Now, there are times where the breath might feel completely inaccessible or very slight or mild. So you might wish to anchor your awareness into the present moment using sensations of the body, and that's fine. Body sensations are always present moment sensations. And so I invite you now to bring attention and awareness to the feet you might notice the sensation of socks against the feet or the feet against the ground. And you can invite the muscles in the feet to grow soft and relax. There might be sensations of clothing against the legs, inviting the muscles in the legs to unwind and relax. or perhaps noticing the weight of the body against the chair or cushion, mat or floor. Inviting the muscles underneath those sensations to rest. You might notice the hands resting against the body or touching each other. The arms resting against the body. Inviting the hands and arms to relax and unwind. You might notice sensations of clothing against the back or the shoulders. Inviting the muscles in the back and shoulders to grow soft and relax and rest. There might be sensations arising throughout the back of the neck, inviting the muscles in the neck to unwind and rest. And perhaps noticing sensations arising throughout the face, letting any tension or stress that's held in the face go. perhaps noticing sensations arising from the top of the head, the very crown of the head. Now, there might be times where the breath and the body feel rather inaccessible to our awareness, and that's fine. We also have the option of anchoring our awareness in the sounds of the present moment. Sounds are 
like the body, always present moment experience. And so the invitation is now to allow your awareness to include any sounds which might be present during this meditation. There might be the sound of traffic or a television nearby, the sound of my voice, a bird song, the hum of a refrigerator, simply noticing the soundtrack of the present moment. And so we'll rest right here, resting in this present moment experience for just a few breaths, allowing the body, mind, and heart to settle and just rest. And now while resting in this present moment experience, the invitation is now, if it feels accessible and feels comfortable, invite a memory or a recollection of an experience where you felt gratitude. Or just noticing anything you feel grateful for. Perhaps the softness of your cat or dog the morning cup of coffee or the beauty of a sunset, perhaps remembering the laughter of a close friend or loved one. A vacation you might have taken. Just allow this memory to crystallize in the mind's eye, remembering as much detail of this experience as possible. Really allowing this experience to become very clear and feel in the body what this experience of gratitude feels like for you. There'll be a physical sensation which tells you that this is a, an experience of gratitude. There might be an opening or a warmth. There might just be a feeling of goodness, of closeness, of safety, of connectivity. There's no wrong or right feeling of gratitude. It's just what this experience feels like for you. The invitation is now to really allow this experience of gratitude, the physical experience of gratitude, to swell or to grow, expanding within the body, within the mind and heart. 
turning up the volume on this gratitude as if you were turning up the volume on your favorite song on the radio. Really feeling into it, allowing it to really encompass your being. I like to think of it as drenching the marrow of the bones with gratitude. And so we'll rest there in this amplified experience of gratitude for just a few more breaths. next breath or two, we'll begin to pivot back into our conversational space. And I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. So thank you for joining me in that meditation practice today. And thank you for your energy, for your own practice. Now, if you're watching this on video and you'd like to explore that feeling of gratitude a little bit deeper, you can press pause now and we'll be here when you get back. That's always a nice thing to do. If you're watching live, thank you for joining me. Thank you for your effort, for being here. And really for your um, outstanding uh, time and energy put forth to cultivate compassion for others. I don't think that can be easily overlooked. It's, it is such a, a worthwhile uh, practice to embark on uh, and something that is so needed in the world today. So thank you for being here. So as a way of setting the table further after the meditation, I want to do a little reading. Something I like to do every now and then is read something rather inspiring from a particular tradition or culture or text uh, to kind of set the mood a bit into compassion here. Now this comes to us from the great scientist Albert Einstein. It's one of my favorite uh, readings. You may have heard me read this before but it, uh, it never fails, it always hits the mark. A human being is a part of the whole, call to us universe, a part limited by time and space. The human being limits himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for just a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion and care 
to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. Yeah, so that's the task at hand, widening our circle of compassion and care for others. And so the practices of compassion, the way I've learned them, and there are many, so I'm just going to outline a few here today. Uh, it starts the way I, I've come to understand it. It starts with recognizing that all beings, just like us, have experienced, are experiencing, and or will experience some type of struggle, discomfort, pain, heartache, fear, longing, craving, desire, etc. These are the natural, normal experiences of discomfort, which are painted onto the canvas of life itself. These are unavoidable. And so part of the deal of being born as a human, of having a human nervous system and living on planet Earth, we will naturally experience these types of discomforts. So that's our common humanity. And the gift of that is that we all want to be free from that experience. All sentient beings, not just humans, react to that discomfort with the desire to be free. We all want to be free from suffering. And that's compassion. That desire for ourselves and others to be free from suffering is the heart of compassion. So if we all have these experiences of discomfort and we all want to be free, then why aren't we, <laughs> why aren't we all free yet, right? Why do we still suffer? It's a normal question, a natural question. Why is there this experience of suffering if we all have this innate desire to be free from our struggle. And it's because we don't accept as a part of the natural course of life, we don't accept that type of struggle. We don't accept that there is struggle inherent in our experience. We don't accept the discomfort, the pain, the heartache, the fear, the craving, the longing, and so forth. When we experience those, we think that we might have done something wrong or there's something wrong with our life. There's some mistake somewhere. And in that misperception to that discomfort, the misperception is then we get caught in a reactive pattern. We, we fall into this knee-jerk reaction to that discomfort by if, it's, if, we're, if the discomfort arises as anger, we might fall into the reaction of yelling, kicking, punching, screaming, shouting, which causes suffering for ourselves and for others. If the discomfort is loneliness, we might, you know, uh, reach for alcohol or drugs or a cigarette or uh, calling the ex that we probably shouldn't call or you know, doing some sort of behavior to cover up that loneliness because we think that loneliness 
we think that there's some mistake if we feel that type of discomfort. We feel that we shouldn't feel that way. We, f we forget that these discomforts are etched into the drawings of life itself. And so the idea here is to begin to see that we're all stuck in that predicament. And so if you can, just now, while you're listening to this talk, you might feel some discomfort in your environment. Perhaps the way you're sitting isn't quite comfortable, or you might need a drink of water, or, or you might feel like, you know, a, some pull to adjust the situation in some way. Stop right there for a moment and feel that desire to be free from that discomfort. Now, the desire to be free, that's self-compassion. We all feel that. All human beings feel that. All sentient beings feel that. And so this is the commonality. And it's really important to bring this commonality out. Because as human beings, as our species, we evolved through the mental construct of tribalism. And we're still kind of paying our karmic debts to our evolutionary path, if you will. We, as the human species, up until about 20,000 years ago, we were tribal animals. We, were, we felt threatened by others quote-unquote others, who looked differently, who acted differently, who believed differently. And that was necessary for those tribes to survive. We needed that. Now, we don't need to do that any longer. <laughs> In fact, that grasp of tribalism over the human race is causing a great deal of suffering. Nationalism, just another extension of tribalism. Uh, again, to quote Albert Einstein, na uh, he said, nationalism is a cancer of culture. And when I first heard that, I said, yeah, you know, that's, that's true, and kind of, you know, breezed by it as just another nice quote from, from Albert. But Really, when I mean, think about how accurate that is. I mean, you have like, we'll use America as an as an example. You have this multicultural land, right? All, all sorts of beliefs, race, creed, sexual orientations, and preferences, and all sorts of identifications, gender identifications, beautiful, 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 all wonderful colors of a rainbow. And then you have one group who, who takes pride in being a part of that group. That's great, nothing wrong with pride. But then it becomes ossified. It becomes, we are better than them. And just like a cancer, that ossification becomes like a tumor. And it, 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 it takes up this 
gravitational power to bring other people of that tribe into its grip and it starts to swell and eventually if it gains enough power it will swell large enough to destroy the host that it that this tribalism resides in it just eats it up from the inside out just like cancer so i i don't think that einstein was uh just throwing out an analogy there that is such an accurate precise observation of the illness of tribalism now again it's natural normal it's a part of our wiring that we have that instinct but we've already started moving 20,000 years ago we started moving away from that so one thing that can be done as a practice if we can start to feel what it feels like when we start to fall into that you know when you start to, to think oh my country is better than them or, or or my belief system or my religion is better than that that's tribalism that's that's we started moving out of that 20,000 years ago we can let that go we don't need to do that anymore and in that move away from that feeling, away from that innate drive, we start to create a culture of we, a much more inclusive, much more open, much more compassionate culture. Another really um, prevalent aspect of tribalism is the habitual response of freezing a person or a group of people into an object see we label that per let's take an individual person we label that person as an object which believes this or says this or does that and we freeze them into that identification we see them through that very very narrow lens we trap them into being just that behavior, just that belief. When that happens, essentially what we're doing is robbing that person or the, that group of people of their humanity. And in that movement, we can more easily inflict hurt or harm or repress that group of people or those, that person. And if we don't move in that direction, what might happen is they become just a character in our story. We freeze that person into being just the person who believes X, Y, Z, or the person who acts in this way, and they become a character in our story. We become self-righteous, for example, and they become the villain to our hero. And so all of this breaks down when we start to recognize that regardless of a person's behavior, belief, religion, 
race, gender, regardless of anything. Those, those are just lines on the map. And we can appreciate our distinguishing differences. In fact, we should appreciate those and embrace those and love that about each other. Cherish the differences. And that really becomes much more accessible by dropping into that innate desire to be free from discomfort. That's, then we become a global tribe, right? Because tribes unite by commonalities, right? The American tribe or the, or the, the Democratic tribe or the Republican tribe or the, the Dallas Cowboys tribe or, or the, the tribe that likes jazz music or whatever your tribe is, it's defined and brought together through a commonality. Can we step back and, and take the commonality of the desire to be free from discomfort, the desire, the innate desire to be free from our struggles? That can be our commonality. That can be our tribe. Another way of breaking this down, another angle, is if you, you see people who you recognize their, their differences, but maybe their values or beliefs are really quite different than yours and you get caught up in that othering or that self-righteousness. Can we take a step back for a moment and recognize that if we were born to the parents of those people, if we were born into the same culture that they were born into, if we were born with the same education opportunities that they had, listened to the same types of music and enjoyed the same type of art and entertainment that they did, if we had spent the same time and energy in the same social circles as they do, it's very, very likely we would be acting, behaving, and doing the same things that they're doing. All of the seeds of each and every human behavior are embedded directly into the body, mind, and heart at birth. All of the seeds, all of the human potential behaviors are embedded in us, a gift at birth. It's only because the causes and conditions that we're born into and grown with throughout our lives those causes and conditions water and fertilize some seeds and leave other seeds buried. If our lives had been watered, nourished, and cultivated differently than what we have now, we would see the world differently, we would act differently, and we would do different things. We'd believe in different things. 
we would believe and act in the same way that people who we don't agree with act now. If we were born into their body, with their parents, with their education, with their upbringing, we would do the same things they're doing. So for me, that, that point, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> that practice of, of recognizing that all of the seeds of human potential are here. It's just through certain causes, conditions, and circumstances that our seeds got watered in a particular way and people over there, their seeds got watered in a particular way because of their causes and circumstance and conditions. And that, that those people over there, their seeds got watered in a different way. And so in that recognition, we recognize the garden of human experience, that we recognize the flowers. Okay, the, that garden looks different. That's, a, that's an orchid garden over there. That garden over there, that's a rose garden. And over here, this, this is, might be a forest of, of oak trees. Now, this isn't to say that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not proposing that we try to see the world through rose-colored glasses. People do commit transgressions against each other. And I really took a deep dive into that aspect of compassion in my last two sessions on forgiveness. And so that does happen. I'm not saying yes to oppression. I'm not saying yes to transgressions. In fact, it's often the most compassionate move to educate the oppressor, to help the people who are committing transgressions to stop causing suffering and harm to others. That is often the most compassionate thing we can do. So compassion isn't complete until we actually move forward to act on that desire to free people from their struggle, to free ourselves from our own struggle. That completes the experience of compassion. This actually feels really good to do this, to begin to practice to see the world in this way. Because when we're caught in freezing people into their belief system, or if we're, when we're caught in pushing against another because they believe a different thing than we do, when we're caught in that type of tribalism, our world actually feels really small. And actually most people don't notice how small their world is until they start this practice. We start expanding that circle of care and compassion wider and wider. You actually feel it in the body, in the mind, in the heart. It's really analogous to if you live in kind of a real, in like a closet, right? And then you start these practices and you, you move into a mansion. And then you, eventually you start to inhabit the whole world equally. And you just, you experience this sense of spaciousness, 
this sense of wide openness, this sense of being at home wherever you are. So that's one of the great benefits of widening our circle of care and compassion to include people, to include this global tribe, is that we start to feel at home wherever we go. Don't take my word for it. Just, you know, do these practices. And so as a way of kind of closing here, I'll guide us just a brief, brief practice in meditation, uh, a compassion meditation. Uh, now, this is an example of what we'll be doing uh, on the retreat that I'm going to be offering, but we'll be doing it, you know, for 25, 30 minutes at a time. Here, I'm just going to do a five-minute, seven-minute practice. Uh, so, a kind of a free sample, if you will. Hmm. So enjoy this practice, and thanks again for being here. And so just coming into this present moment again, allowing the body, mind, and heart to settle. If you're contemplating what I offered in the talk there, just allow that to go for now. It'll be there on the recording if you want to listen back. Just come into the present moment experience here. The invitation is to, you know, briefly scan your body, noticing what the body feels like sitting, either on a chair or a cushion, or on the floor. Letting any obvious tensions in the body soften and relax. And while resting here in this silence of meditation, bring into your awareness some very, very mild form of discomfort you might be experiencing in your life at this time. This might be some tension at work between a coworker or perhaps something you saw on the news earlier in the day, or perhaps some sort of health concern. Don't bring up something that causes a great deal of discomfort or trauma, but just something mild a mild form of discomfort. And feeling the urge to be free from that discomfort. That's the root of compassion right there. Feeling that innate urge to be free. Just want to be free from that struggle. And while holding that desire to be free from that struggle or that push, 
can you recognize that all beings want to be free from struggle in that same way? If you have a human nervous system living on planet Earth, we all feel this same need to be free. So in the next breath or two, we'll shift away from the meditation practice and back into our conversational space. But I welcome you to fall into that or tap into that experience of compassion when you're out and about throughout the day. When you see other people, you can say to them, May you be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Or if you're scrolling through Facebook and you see strangers in the pictures, may you be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Or when you're watching the news May you all be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Thank you so much for joining me today. Again, I applaud your interest in cultivating compassion. Uh, there may be no greater pursuit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be back here at the same time. Actually, yeah, uh, in America, it'll be one hour ahead, and I guess in other places in the world too. Here in Thailand, the clocks stay the same year-round, so it'll be uh, offered at the same time here in Asia, but it'll be an hour later in, uh, if you're setting your clocks ahead, so adjust your times accordingly. Uh, have a great weekend. Much love and light to all of you. And I'll ring the bell just to close out uh, today's offering. Thanks again for being here. We'll see you then. Thank you.